0: James 3 verses 13 through 18. So I'll I'll read through the whole thing once and then we'll start breaking it down piece by piece. It should be up on the board as well. James chapter 3 verses 13 through 18. James says this, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in gentleness of wisdom. But you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart. If you, have bitter, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruit, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is, sh- is sown in peace by those who make peace. If you notice that th- this section has a lot of descriptions, right? And not so many verbs. It's not so much about doing, it's about being in this section. Okay? And here's what James is saying. James's primary focus here, so this is kind of the thrust of what he's trying to get at in this section. James's primary focus here is not so much about what we do, but who we are while we're doing it. His focus is not so much on our current and future position or current and future job, but on our current and future person. That's James's focus here. Our focus in in our world, in your generation and mine, our focus is so much on what we will do. That is what defines you in this culture. What you do. Your job. Your spouse. Your income. What mark will you make on the world? James doesn't say that those things don't matter. He's not saying that. But those things, job, spouse, income, status, listen, they don't define who you are. They are not who you are. And here's how I know this. Because one day, be it tomorrow or 50 years from now, you will pass away. And all your money, your job, your spouse even, will not go with you. And you will be before your creator and judge, one-on-one. And who you are will be the most important question. Not what job did you have, but what kind of person were you at this job? Not what was your relationship status, amen, right? But what kind of spouse or single person were you? were you wise? James is lovingly reminding us to think about these things, to carry wisdom with us no matter where we go. Look at James chapter 3 verse 13. James chapter 3 verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Who among you is wise and understanding, right? Um, I, I don't need to give you the Greek here to understand what that means. I understand you. Wisdom is one of those things that, you know, that's, it's a Shakespeare word, right? It's a fancy word. Wisdom is one of those that is hard to put into words, right? But it's easy to practice, James is talking about those who's wise and understanding. What does that mean? James is talking about those who handle life well. That's wisdom. To handle life well. Who know how to manage life's difficult circumstances. Who have that insight that everyone else wishes that they had. Those who handle life well. That's wisdom. What does wisdom look like? Verse 13 again. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. For my type A's, this is one of those points. True wisdom always shows itself. True wisdom always shows itself. If if he has wisdom, let him show by his good behavior. so, So this is what he means when he says show it. Wisdom always shows itself. Wisdom is always visible to others. To James, wisdom is not so much strictly kept in your mind. It's displayed in your body. It's not just facts and figures and good stories. Wisdom isn't just wise words from someone that's removed from the situation. Wisdom shows itself in the moment. How you react in the moment is what shows whether you are wise or whether you're foolish. Wisdom is immensely practical. It's, it, is, it is the feat of knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge walking itself out, showing itself in your life. Wisdom is not so much what you think, it's how you live. That is wisdom. You can know and think you know But when push comes to shove, if it's not there, you're not as wise as you think you are. Wisdom shows itself. And then how does it show itself? Verse 13. Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness or meekness of wisdom. Meekness. This gentleness of wisdom. Here's uh, Here's the next one, right? Type A's are like, this is awesome. Here we go. True wisdom always, now remember, true wisdom always shows itself. True wisdom always hides the wise person. True wisdom always hides the wise person. Uh, there's a Sunday school teacher at our, at our church, obviously, uh, who, ha- like back in the day, he took a job at the summer camp. And the summer camp had this big boss who was just awesome and everybody loved him and wanted to work for him. And now the Sunday school teacher, right, he gets this lower job. He's still above some people. He's kind of in the middle, right? He's got this job at camp. And he wants to be like the big boss. He wants to be res- the respect. He wants the accolades. He wants it all. So he starts acting like that. Well, at the summer camp, they, because it's summer camp, like some of the toilets stopped working, so they had to start digging like this long kind of trenched to lay more piping to, to fix the problem. So he's ordering people around, telling them what to do, telling them where to dig and where to go. And they're like, well, all right, you're the boss, okay. And, wh- and he's, he's kind of manage- managing while they're digging. Well, and then the big boss drives up. And, and they're making great progress, so he's super pumped. So he runs over to the big boss, and he's like, man, this is awesome. We, we, have, we have made so much progress. He's ready for the pat on the back, right? He's excited for it. And the boss wa- gets off like the golf cart or whatever and walks right by him doesn't say a word which is kind of weird and you may already know where we're going with this and the boss walks over to the workers and grabs a shovel and starts digging and so the Sunday school teacher that I know he he thought it was so weird so he goes over he's like man you don't have to do it We've, we've got people who are doing that and the boss doesn't say anything to him and just keeps digging and he says, listen, man, we're trying one more time, right? We're, we're making good progress. We don't, you don't have to do this. And the head of this camp just keeps digging with everybody else. And in that moment, the Sunday school teacher talks about, he said, in that moment, he realized what the boss was trying to teach him about leadership. And he realized in that moment why everyone wanted to work for him. James says, wisdom results in meekness. Wisdom results in gentleness. Isn't it ironic that wisdom shows itself by hiding the wise person? You can almost say that wisdom shows itself by a person who's willing to hide. Wisdom is like this. This is what I mean when I say wisdom hides the person. Wisdom is a diamond buried so deep that in order to really get to it, you've got to dig so deep that it buries you. Wisdom is like a diamond that is buried so deep that in order to really get to it, you've got to dig so deep that it buries you. You get buried. As soon as you find wisdom and you come up and say, I've got wisdom, you've lost it, you see. The cost of wisdom is yourself. The cost of you showing gentleness and wisdom is yourself, your reputation, your accolades. True wisdom is selfless wisdom, or it's not wisdom. This word for meekness or gentleness, whatever it says in your Bible, it means putting yourself away. That's what it means in the Greek. To put yourself away. What does that mean? Like you go in the closet and like, okay, I got no, like your agenda. Wisdom is found when you let yourself go. Look at James 3.14. This is the opposite of that. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. If you have jealousy, this word for jealousy, it means any emotion that you let run wild. Any emotion, any desire that you just let run wild. We think of jealousy, that's like a Disney Channel cartoon word. Like jealousy shows itself in a pointy beard and like an evil laugh. But James says that jealousy is when you let what you want run over everyone else. Your agenda, your plan, your way... I've said this before, as you guys are in college, you guys are a generation of what you're already volunteering in churches, but you're a generation away from being the people who make the calls in your churches. And as you start to volunteer and work in churches, you need to understand people volunteer and volunteer in churches all the time and they don't get this. People at your job are a nightmare to work with or talk to because they're like this. Are you like this in some ways? I'm volunteering at church. Are you though? Because according to James, true humility is not signing a form and showing up on time. Truly volunteering, true wisdom is putting yourself aside. Putting your agenda on hold. So that God's church can continue forward. Submitting yourself to that. That is wisdom. I think sometimes even in church world, you have people who will join a church and they'll want to help immediately. And we may say, well listen, we want to get to know you for a while. And then they get mad that they can't help. Do you see the, the weirdness about that? They're mad because they can't help. That shows that their their heart's attitude doesn't actually want to help. If you really wanted to help us, you would end this chaos by taking a step back. But because you're you're so desperate to help, your agenda is helping. And you want to help so much that you're going to hurt me until you can help. You see what I mean? How twisted that is? You want to be such a good husband or you want to be such a good wife that it needs the marriage needs to be like this and if it's not like this it's it's not going to work and then you've you've burned your own house down because you're you you want to do so much good that you're doing harm you see what I mean put you're not putting yourself aside so that the other can flourish so that the group so that the team can flourish a lesson on leadership as well. James 3, 15 through 16. This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder and every evil thing. Notice in verse 15 it says demonic. James, you, you know James, I hope at this point, that he does not choose his words lightly. We think of spiritual warfare as... Whatever, like dip your stuff in Chick-fil-A and like like get them with it, right? Only Chick-fil-A, right? Like, and and there's screaming and the chair's floating. Like that's what we think of as spiritual warfare. But in James's mind, demonic activity shows itself in someone who's being selfish and they won't let it out of their teeth. Do you see that? That is spiritual warfare. That's what James is concerned about. That's what you have got to be aware of. It's not this, Haunted houses floating around, whatever. People obsess over that stuff. Meanwhile, their selfishness... Think, think about this. You want to teach a, a small group on spiritual warfare, and I tell you, you can't do it, and you're so angry about that that you start causing harm in the church. You see the irony there? You're actually the bad guy in the spiritual warfare, and you wanted to teach a small group on spiritual warfare. You see what I'm saying? In James' mind, spiritual warfare takes place in the heart just as much as it takes place in the, or more so than it takes place in the haunted houses, what I'm doing with my hands, okay? You've got to understand that when you get in, when you're married and you get in an argument with your spouse and then all of a sudden, lust comes out of nowhere. This desire for others or or this leaning towards pornography or whatever, or what have you. This anxiety, this anger. That's the spiritual warfare, That's what James is talking about. That's the demonic activity that James is talking about here. James tells us here to look at the fruit. That will tell you where this wisdom is coming from. So Sarah Beth and I were talking about earlier, how do you know what kind of tree it is? You can't until you see the fruit. Is this wisdom from the world or wisdom from God? Well, how do you know what seed has been planted? Look at the fruit. Is there drama everywhere they go? Hope it didn't hit too close to home, right? Does, any, does everyone walk on eggshells around them? Do you leave their house more angry than when you got there? And that's what I want to harp on because I do this. I have caught myself being so negative lately about things that if someone comes to me with a problem, I'm so quick to just keep adding negativity to the situation that I'm not helping. I'm just making it worse. Now they leave more angry than they were when they started. Are they healthy to be around? That's the world system. That's Satan's system. Listen, it's this idea. Keep that fire burning. That's what Satan wants you to do. It doesn't have to be anger. Whatever it is, keep that fire burning. Make them more angry about how unfair the situation is to them. It feels good because it feels good. You feel so self-justified. How is the fruit in your life? Don't think about, man, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. You're here to hear this. How's the fruit in your own life? Listen, some examples. Are you walking around anxious and growing more anxious all the time? Are you angry about something and now you're growing angrier all the time? Don't focus on the position so much as on the progression. What's happening? to where you are everyone are are you stressed and getting more stressed all the time now there are seasons where those things happen but is this a consistent reality for you there are seasons where you'll feel anxious and stressed and angry I get that you're a person but is this a consistent reality for you that it just continues to boil over listen everyone's got fires in their lives everyone I do everyone's got fires in their lives Are the fires in your life shrinking or are they growing? And let me tell you this. We're going to get deep for a second. Because you'll never tell me this. I won't either. I'll take it to the grave. We won't admit it, but sometimes we like the fires in our lives. Because the fires of our life keep our pride warm. The fires in our life, they keep our pride warm warm. I'm going to stir up my own anxiety from time to time because it reminds me that I'm just the victim here. And if I'm just the victim, then I don't have to do or change anything. It keeps me warm. I'm just going to keep focusing on this thing that has made me so angry. Let's go somewhere. Let's go go to Dairy Queen. Take your mind off it, right? Amen? Yeah. No, I don't want to do that. I want to keep talking about why I'm so upset all the time, and soon enough, that's all we talk about. I'm just going to keep reminding myself that I'm right, and in the end, listen, and in the end, it wasn't what the other person did that ultimately hurts you. We burn our own house down. That's what Satan's wisdom does. It only destroys, and think about James's, and I want to back up, think about the fires in your life. Are you actively trying to put them out or if you're really honest with yourself do you really just kind of is there a part of you that likes fanning that flame think about james's time the church was facing pressure from the outside and that pressure we talked about this before that pressure puts put on people it shortens your temper it thins out your patience and james is saying here as this is happening don't start attacking each other don't get selfish on each other Don't backslide on each other. You think if the church just did things your way, it would be better. If the team just did things your way, if your relationship just went how you want it to go, things would be better. So you selfishly push your agenda, and no one else's, and before you know it, the church has split in half over this. Chaos reigns. All in the name of you trying to do what's right and what's good. When in reality, what's right and what's good is you putting yourself aside so that the greater good can take place. Lastly, 17 through 18. But the wisdom from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Satan's wisdom kills and destroys. But God's wisdom puts out these fires so that you can finally feel the cool of the day again. We'll go through some of these, these describers, descriptors. God's wisdom in your life is pure. Satan's wisdom is at least tinged or stained with selfishness. It's really about your own agenda if you're being honest. But God's wisdom is not about the right agenda, it's about the Good. That's God's wisdom. It's not about, this is the right agenda. This is what we should be doing. It's about the good. If the group's not ready to receive that yet, how are you patient with them? God's wisdom brings peace. It's peaceable. What is the best thing for this group in the moment? Someone says something to you that you don't like. Do you just take it on the chin and move forward? Because if you open your mouth to rebut this, it's going to start a fire that you can't put out. Is your pride really worth the the destruction of the group to get your last word in, to get them back? Sometimes, peace in the group requires that you follow in Jesus' footsteps and die so that the group can live. Die to your agenda so that the group can live. Do you remain silent? Do you need to speak up? What's the right thing to do, not for you, but for everyone, including you? Because if you're honest, even if it's dying to yourself, it will benefit you in the long run. What's the best thing for the group, for everyone, including you? God's wisdom is gentle. In order for there to be peace, we must be gentle. Here's how this works, being gentle. Areas of tension in your life have got to be addressed. They need to be dealt with because they are just areas where all, and you know this, they're areas where all this wood is piling up and all that's gonna happen is when Satan strikes the match, the whole thing will explode. But if you can get rid of all that kindling, if you can start to address the areas of tension in your life, Gentle means tolerantly, though not weakly, accepting the other person. Tolerantly, though not weakly. Gentle is not you being a doormat. Putting your agenda on hold is not you being a doormat for other people. It takes strength to love someone that you don't like, who you don't agree with. Excuse me, woo, got caught there. Gentle means quickly willing to rebuild a bridge. Quickly willing to rebuild a bridge. Now there's wisdom in here, but gentleness means quickly willing to rebuild a bridge. Are you willing? Here's what that means. Now listen, if they like lit their house on fire last week and they come to apologize to you, well, quickly rebuild a bridge. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Be wise here. But here's here's an example. Are you willing to accept an apology from someone who's wronged you or do you have your lecture locked and loaded just waiting for the other person? You see what I'm saying? Are you willing to accept the apology and move forward, or do you have your lecture locked and loaded? Are you only going to be cool once you get yours in? My wife has this mom at her school whose son is a nightmare. Uh, he, won't focus and he won't focus, and she is delusional. She thinks it's the teacher's fault, never her son's. And she sent Kristen this email a few days ago where I would have lost it. I would have gone office space, you know, where he beats up the printer. I just lost all of you. It's okay. Where, but I would have like gone crazy. And Kristen responded to the email and said, are there activities that you suggest that I could do that would help your son focus? Instead of sticking back, she heard this woman's problem and then engaged with her. Listen, she knew they were enemies and instead of loading up, she started building a bridge. Have you tried to build a bridge towards your enemies? Or do you just accept that they're going to vote that way and they're idiots and so be it? They're just going to make this decision about their body and so be it? My parents are just that way and so be it? Or have you actually, you, and you can only answer that. You know when you've actually tried versus when you like just want to check off that you tried. Have you actively tried to build a bridge towards your enemies? Um, Sun Tzu was a Chinese general, I know you know this, right, who lived before Christ came to earth. He wrote The Art of War, which to this day, over 2,000 years later, is the leading philosophy of Eastern Asian warfare. And in it, he says, it is best to win without fighting. Dude wrote the book on war, literally. And he says, it is best to win Without fighting, that is wisdom. A couple other things, wisdom is reasonable. This is, and this is so huge. Oh my gosh, wisdom is reasonable, guys. Um, Okay, we're we're getting short on time, but I got to give this example. Um, there's, it's in, it's in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. It's in the book, not the movie, which we'll talk about later. Um, but there's this scene at the end where they're trying to get, and I'm, I'm sorry for those of you that I just lost, but you'll get it. Okay, so there's this scene at the end where. They have to get through all these different um, trials to get to the sorcerer's stone, okay? And this is one where the potions master has left all these different potions that they have to figure out, okay, to get there. And Hermione is the smart one, just hang with me, Hermione's the smart one, and she says, Oh my gosh, it's, it's logic, it's a riddle. And Harry's like, you know, useless as usual. And he's like, well, what are we? <laughs> it is what it is, guys. He's like, he's like, what are we gonna do? Like, what do we do? And, Hermione, and listen. This is what Hermione says. Listen, she says, she says, this is why this one is so hard, because so many magic people, wizards and witches, they think they can magic all their problems, and that there's no need for logic. Christians do the same thing. We think that we can Jesus our way through. We're gonna trust the Lord with this. Well. Okay, like, and there's no, but, but they don't think that trusting the Lord, they think that trusting the Lord is different than trusting the tools the Lord gave them. Does that make sense? And it's not different. God has given, there is such an overwhelming lack of common sense in the church today. And if you guys would avail yourselves of it, it will put you light years ahead of everyone else in your generation and mine. Wisdom is reasonable. Common sense is a gift of God, a gift some people have more than others. Use that in your decision making. So often you have the right decision in front of you. You don't need a burning bush to speak to you, especially when it comes to the kind of person you are supposed to be. I don't know what job you need to take, but I know what kind of person you need to be. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't give you a job hunting guide in the Bible, college kids? sorry, college students. Instead, he spends all his time on your soul. Maybe because if you know what kind of person you should be, you'll be okay no matter what job you take. But so often we focus on the other side of it. Lastly, wisdom is unwavering and without hypocrisy. Unwavering. Give what you can, and when you don't, and and when you can't give, don't. Here's what I mean. Yield as often as you can in the relationship, in the church, in the group, so that when you can't yield, they know that it's a big deal. Yield as often as you can. Be as as flexible as you can so that when you have to finally be inflexible, they'll understand that this is a big deal. Without hypocrisy, wisdom is consistent. Hypocrites are wise in public only. Some, and you guys know this, some great men and women have accomplished major public things and had disastrous private lives. That's not where the wisdom of the Lord leads. What are areas in your own life that you need to spend serious time with God in private? I have several. Lastly, James 3.18, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Fruit needs to be in the right atmosphere, guys, or it will not grow. This this stuff that James is talking about, listen, it will not happen in your life if you continue to do and feed the things that make you anxious or angry. If you continue to breathe in that toxic air, how can you possibly think you'll get healthy? Address these things in your life And some of these things in your life that make you anxious or angry, you won't be able to get out of. God has locked you in there on purpose because he's doing something in you. And as you are shown these things by the Lord that must be dealt with, deal with them in faith. Go slow, seek friends to help you, and we can grow this garden of righteousness together. Let's pray.